this Hallmark Quality Control. Hello again and welcome back to another episode of Hallmark Quality Control. I'm Reagan. I'm Morgan. And I'm Ansley. And today we are discussing um, some additional episodes from When Calls the Heart Season 2. And these episodes are called Awakenings and Revelations. Now we're actually seeing that these two episodes that we talked about today are not grouped together quite as clearly as some of our other episodes. So we've got a lot of different kind of plot items going on today. Um, Let's talk about what the plot was for each of these characters in these two episodes. Um, We'll start off with the big one, Elizabeth. Uh, she and Abigail and Clara have finally arrived back in Hope Valley and they're just in time for school to start. Um, so they're having a little welcome home party in the saloon. Yay, that's so nice. Elizabeth is basically just looking for Jack the whole time. He comes in, they make, you know, lovely eye contact, and then she ditches her own welcome home party so that she can go see the new school because she'd rather just take a walk with her boyfriend. Um, she's really pleased with the school that will also serve as the church for the town. So everything's good on that front. Um, A little bit later on, um, Charles arrives very unexpectedly from Hamilton. Elizabeth, being as egotistical as she is, sees him and goes, "Ah, he must have followed me here because he just can't control his feelings. So she's like, Charles, you came all this way just to see me. And he's like, actually, I'm here on business. Um, turns out he was right. He wasn't just there to see her, although that did seem to be an additional inducement. Um, so Elizabeth's father's company that Charles is one of the head salespeople or reps for, um, is actually doing business with Lee's sawmill now. So Charles was in town to check out the sawmill operations and, I uh, got to see Elizabeth a little bit while he was there. Um, so... She brushes him off for, like, a dinner because she's already got plans with Jack. But they do go for a little walk. Um, They see the school. They see the town. Uh, Charles decides that he should warn Elizabeth about the dangers of being involved with a Mountie. Um, Charles and Jack kind of squared up with a fishing metaphor that was supposed to relate to whether they could catch Elizabeth or not. And honestly, I don't know why they went to to all of the trouble. It was a lot. I got lost in the middle. Um... (laughs) So I think Charles realizes "Eh, Elizabeth is pretty stuck on this. So um, he eventually leaves town town and just wishes her well, but warns her that um, she needs to be careful being involved with a Mountie because there are dangers associated with that. Uh, In the second episode for Elizabeth, um, she jumps at the chance to help um, a local man with a couple of kids who needs to go out of town um for a day or two to help some family she's like i'll stay with the kids i'll help them with their chores i'll keep tabs on your homestead well what what proceeded from that was just a farcical rendition of completing typical farm chores oh no we have to muck out the stalls and you're wearing a pretty pastel dress oh no mud has splashed on your pastel dress um so we did that for a little bit jack came by and helped and made flirty remarks with her for a little bit and um she did help the little boy um relaxed enough so that he could go to sleep he was having nightmares so that was her taking on um something unexpected to try and prove what she was capable of so for some of our other characters um first there was just a very little bit of julie and tom in this basically they stole julie's father's car and went for a joyride ta-da um that's what happened with them this episode 
uh, Bill is sort of unexpectedly in Hope Valley. He's on some kind of a case. Um, there's a counterfeiting operation that they've suspected in the area. And when Jack offers his assistance and indicates that he's found this counterfeit bill that was turned into him, Bill essentially blows him off and tells him to, to drop it. Later on, we see Bill meeting with some shady guys out in the woods. Um, and one of the one of the shady guys pulls a gun and, and attacks Bill. Jack comes along just in time to save him. But then Bill yells at him that Jack's ruined his cover um, and kind of storm. Jack rides off and Bill's all upset. Bill later apologizes. Jack was just trying to do his job, but we don't quite know what Bill is up to right now. Um, Bill had gone by uh, the cafe to see Abigail. She made it pretty clear she was not interested in seeing or talking to him. Uh, but we do have some other things going on at the cafe this week. Uh, Clara is now working for Abigail at the cafe. Abigail wanted to give her a home and a job and is insisting on paying her because she wants to make sure Clara is treated fairly and take care of her. While Clara is browsing in the mercantile, a nice young man kind of comes up and pretends he doesn't know what a rolling pin is so that he can start a conversation with her, eventually asking her to the ice cream social, but she ends up turning him down. Um, this kind of confused Abigail and Elizabeth. They're like, oh, but he's like a nice man and he asked you to an ice cream social. Um, but after Abigail talks with Pastor Frank, she realizes that Clara may be um, holding back out of consideration for Abigail's feelings and maybe not just missing um, her husband. So Abigail has a little talk with Clara and says, look, I don't want you to hold back on my part. I just want you to be happy. You shouldn't, you're so young, you shouldn't go your whole life being alone. So Clara runs into the nice young man again. They end up, um, he asks her to the ice cream social again. She agrees to go. And then Elizabeth and, and Abigail help um, get her all gussied up so she can go to the social looking very pretty in one of Elizabeth's dresses. So Lee, um, we talked a little bit about he was um, working on some business with Charles in these episodes. He has opened his sawmill. They've made the very first plank and his sights are set even higher. He's beginning to survey some of his land for a railway to go across his property. Um, the railway surveyor agrees that it's a great spot. It would bring lots of new business and opportunities to the town. They're very excited about it. However, Dottie Ramsey, who is the wife of the disgraced former mayor, um, maybe he's not really disgraced. We know that he had to resign under suspicious circum circumstances to sell ice boxes, so tough for him. Um, Dottie is in the cafe and overhears Lee talking to Jack about this idea of the railway. Well, she goes straight to Gowan with that info and wants a little something something in return. So Gowan uses that information to exert pressure on the railway to have the line move to a different location, one that potentially Gowan owns or is at least inconvenient for Lee, who's trying to really make a go of it in the town. And then um, we find out later that Dottie um, receives a job as Gowan's secretary as sort of the quid pro quo for that information that she provided. So Gowan's still going out of his way to make it tough for Lee. And then finally, Rosemary... Um, she has her fickle heart set on a theater for the town, but actually mostly for her. So she borrows a Victrola from um, the guy who runs the mercantile. She strong arms Hickam into building her a temporary stage and then gives a horribly awkward performance of Let Me Call You Sweetheart just for Lee, which prompts him to promise he, that he will eventually build her a theater. 
Um, so I don't envy him being in the audience for that performance. I was uncomfortable watching it. Um, those are kind of the plot lines that we've got going on. Lots of different folks going lots of different directions. There was kind of a lot, a lot happening. Um, there wasn't sort of one smooth over embarking plot line, um, for these episodes. So guys, what did you think of Awakenings and Revelations? Oh, wow. Um, there were a lot of things going on. Some of them... You can say it. I can I can hear you holding back the bile in your throat. You can say Some it. Some of them were pretty <laughs> awkward and disjointed. Um, Lowlights for me included the awkward stage performance, as you've already mentioned. <laughs> um, the... A strapless dress that would put a 2002 bridesmaid to shame. Uh, I just have to say, though, Pascal Hutton is clearly pregnant in these episodes. She is pregnant. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, she looks pretty good for being pregnant. They're hiding it pretty tactfully. I feel like I was looking for it, and that's the only reason I noticed. They had her, like, conveniently standing behind a bread basket in one scene and then, like, using the fans to, like, cover her belly or whatever. Two fans was just a little bit of a giveaway. Yeah, but like seriously, take away one fan to gesture, still a fan covering the midsection. Seriously, a strapless dress. Like, what is this? Um, lo- yeah. So lowlights included not authentic. Yeah. Um, the st- whole stage performance thing. Um, Nora, because anytime she opens her mouth, I, I ha- must cringe. And then the whole Julian Tom, we're gonna be rebels and steal a car and it it just was like why are we even talking about them why are we even seeing them i don't care about anything they're doing like i don't want to see this at all we've moved on can we just can we forget they exist is that okay (laughs) basically consisted of thompson i don't know if we should steal your dad's car and she's like oh come on you love it smooch talking him into anything like yeah we just don't want to i don't want to see that at all I mean, this is fresh in my mind since Morgan and I just watched Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but she was sort of like, P.W., you're such a pushover. You know, it's like... I know you are, she, but what she am basically, I? <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? She basically is just like, talks him into, let's just steal daddy's car. You can do whatever you want, can't you? But it's just her yeah, doing it. it's really it, just so her. Like, I feel like she's right. more sold on the dan- she's more sold on the danger and the risk than actually Tom. It's not really well, about and Tom. I think it's she about thinks being a rebel. That, yeah, she thinks that Tom is more dangerous than he really is. And so I feel like she has this persona and this idea of a dangerous romantic beau or whatever. And she's just putting Tom into that role. And she doesn't really care about Tom. And that's just yeah. trash on her You don't part. know Like, that's me. rude. That's rude. So. Yeah. Okay. Enough said about them. Woof. Yeah. Let's just get Nora out of the way, too. The conversation she had with Bill about, I heard you, you know, back in Abigail. Abigail Oh, my word. Like, she had the audacity to say that you weren't wearing your wedding ring. (laughs) Their whole, like, I don't even understand the timeline of their relationship because she, like, left to live with her dad. And somehow Bill has received news of her dad being ill, but, but, like, so he's like somehow kept up with them, but still not kept up with Nora. And I'm really confused on the timeline. I don't understand. How and did they even get together in the first place? She is I don't so annoying know. and clearly possessive. Like, Well, okay. So obviously these two actors were soap opera stars and they met 
on the set of a soap opera, and these two used to be married in real like these people in real life were married. Wait, really? Yeah, Jack there's Wagner too, and too many, Christina. What? There's oh, a yeah. nauseating number there's of just layers. To layers. This. <laughs> so yes. they ha- they thought I think they thought it would be cute to bring these two former you know married soap opera stars and have them have seen their scene about dinner was so dramatic and soap opera ish and come and to dinner bill i'm not going to be having dinner i mean like we'll expect you for dinner but bill. barbara i can't dance <laughs> i've learned to dance who oh, will take me to the ball oh man it was just it was ridiculous so uh, yeah painful and we really don't painful. Find- we Ugh. don't really find out much more about their relationship than we knew already. I mean, they talk about the death of their son and how they didn't. They felt like Bill, at least, seems to feel like there's no point in them being together anymore. We know that Bill knows her father to some extent, and we find out that she's been living with her father in the meantime. Other than that, we really don't find out much and more. And they're about, not going to have dinner. That's what we find out. We are not having dinner. <laughs> Well, it sounded like them staying together had been sort of a pretense that they'd done it for the sake of their son. Mm. He's like, there's no point in pretending anymore. We both know this is over. (laughs) You know, it was sort of so, you know, maybe they had already had a rocky relationship. The son dies and then there's nothing holding them together. She like retreated to go take care of her father, but it was also a way for her to avoid whatever kind of pain was happening in the relationship and essentially just like scooted out on Bill. And then he just decided, okay, well, if she's going to leave, then I can pretend that I'm not married, can't I? Well, I just, I feel like for for the sake of his honor and Abigail's honor, because we spend a lot of these episodes trying to figure out what is Bill even doing? Like he's act, he's <laughs> acting, sh- so he's true. acting shady and getting into strangers' cars and like dealing with counterfeit money. Like what is he even doing? And so we're part of trying to like figure out more about him is like i want to know is he divorced or is he still married to nora and i feel like they've not really made it clear which means that apparently they're still married and i really wish that i don't know it just kind of makes me dislike him more if he'd at least been if he if they had been divorced and nora was just having a hard time letting that go that's one thing but like apparently we don't have proof that they're even divorced they're just separated i guess Right, and, like, Bill is so rude in this episode, too. Like, there's really not anything likable about him. Like, I never liked him last season. Mm-hmm. He, I thought he was too smarmy, and, like, Abigail was kind of falling for the charm or whatever. I, I didn't find it charming. <clears throat> but th- now he's just, like, potentially still kind of legally married to a woman who has a strange mental issue going on, and he's also just... <laughs> being shady and undercover she is she's bizarro that is no lie so he's being you know (laughs) undercover or is he and he's being rude to jack and it's just like there is not much likable about him right now he he just straight up yells at jack for saving his life it's like and then he's apologized jack i'm sorry i I shouldn't have lost my temper it's like why were you yelling it you blew my cover man it's like are you are you like are you 10 years old are you 65 years old are you divorced are you married no one are you no one else helping the counterfeiters are you undercover we just don't know 
they were i feel like they're just they're trying to play both sides of it so it's like you don't know if bill's a good guy Mm -hmm. or a bad guy they're trying to cast aspersions on him but it's just like i'm just over it i i feel like they did noticeably dress him in darker clothing when he started having shady business deals even when he's in hope valley he's wearing darker clothing including a black bow tie i'm just noticed that but also i feel like there, there, there's no real, like, main villain going on right now. We have Gowan, but frankly, until the railroad thing happened, he's just, and between the court, tri- the, the court, the trial ending, and him starting to meddle in the railroad, he's just more of a talk and just being a nuisance than, like, a true villain, and I feel like they, maybe they thought they had to add some other villainous, like, cryptic element to the mix to keep to keep that up so it wasn't all like rainbows and sunshine in the valley but i'm not sure even though we all know the real villain was rosemary solo (laughs) that was the real villain Mm. in these episodes you know the person who i don't know if pascal cringe pascal hutton actually recorded that the singing itself was not bad but the way they layered layered the sound onto the scene it was so clear that she was lip syncing like they just could have handled that better it's the tactlessness of the whole thing that gets me. And like, <laughs> see, like, she gets up there and she sings a song that really has connotations to it. Like, let me call you sweetheart. I'm in love with you. And she is singing it to a man who is interested in her. And so I feel like if he's sitting there, he's like, he's probably getting a little confused about like, is this her making a big grand gesture, like making a move on me? Or, I mean, I guess he kind of knew in the back of his mind that it was about the theater, but it just, it was just really awkward. And th- this town does not need a theater. Like, Mm-mm. just have an outdoor production. Shakespeare in the Park. I don't know. Come on. Yeah. So she just, it totally blew over her head that there might be any, like, implication of feelings in the song. Because she doesn't set up for Lee what this is about. She's just like, I think you work too much and you need a night out. And I've got this special thing planned. I mean... She she could have just been setting up like a super special date. Turns out not only was she not th- really thinking of him, it was also just a plug for him to do something for her and not anything about her having genuine feelings for mm-hmm. him. And he seemed to be tickled by it. But honestly, Lee, like, you're a smart man. You wear some cool striped pants. You're the hippest dude in town. You're, you know, you're doing this cool sawmill and everything. I'm just, I, I don't quite understand why he's so intrigued by her guile yeah and he honestly handled it really well because i feel like he did he played it off like well okay i guess you're just so crazy <laughs> this is just so you're fun wow but <laughs> it's so, crazy. We're fun. Crazy. so you know he played it off really well but a lesser man would have gotten really bent out of shape and confused by that so i don't know uh, you know it's we we see similar sort of behavior though like very early on in that first episode of Elizabeth's welcome home party, apparently she and Lee have been cutting up a rug like the the entire party, and uh, and then Lee asks, sees Elizabeth standing over there talking to Jack. He's like, "Who's that lady?" You know, and she kind of explains without really explaining that that's Jack's girlfriend, the teacher, and um, we actually hear Rosemary say something though of. Um, Lee, Lee says, you know, I want to know what the history is. And she says, well, it's history. That's kind of all you need to know. And that's kind of an, 
it's that really there might be the first moment where we hear rosemary saying you know what that's the past jack clearly has moved on i have other things going on i'm not gonna keep trying to recapture that thing that's been lost Mm -hmm. she really i mean she introduces this idea of wanting a theater by bursting into lee's office just in a pout and showing him a paper that says that some actress that she thought was mediocre had these great reviews on a play that rosemary had been in at one time it's really the the theater is all about vanity it's not about the town really needs one. Like, she uses that as an excuse, but it's pretty clear that her primary motivation is that she misses the the accolades from, from being in the theater, and she is going to ask this man who just started a business, who's trying to turn a profit, who's being pinched by Gowan, just, he's, he's just turning a profit, and she's like, build me a theater, quid pro quo, I want it right now. And he just, like, he's all good-natured about it, and he likes her and stuff, so he does it. But honestly, not not very sensitive or great of Rosemary that she asked for it in the first place and introduced it out of the idea of jealousy for another actress's success. That's pretty shallow. Well, I thought it was, it was nice to see Elizabeth, you know, she apparently has heard about that newspaper story from the last episode about... Jack rescuing her from those goons and she she is pretty much like hey I'm not bothered by that I'm taking everything that lady says with a lot of salt uh, so it's nice to see Elizabeth sort of not caught up in that competitiveness that we had seen even in episodes earlier in this season where they're like competing over the chicken fried steak and all that she's decided to let that thing go and I think that's more becoming for both of them but it it's the character is has shaped up to be the kind of person who does whatever they want and expects their winning personality and charm to make up for any inconvenience or or ill thought uh, action that they take to just it it'll just excuse it right like I can do whatever I can burst into your office um, when you know she doesn't really know him that well to like make herself at home in his office and then strong arm Hickam into building her a theater and, um, you know, borrow things from people and, oh, I'm going to help Abigail. She's a person who inserts herself into situations that she has no business in. And then everybody is just supposed to like, oh, it's Rosemary. She's so charismatic and charming. I guess we'll go along. And I just feel like that's not a likable person. I want to like her as a character, but she is so pushy about everything. It just kind of, as soon as you see her, it's like, oh, here's Rosemary. She's she's out for something again, you know. And she's starting her advice column, too. Oh, yes. Which is just ridiculous. And she is so in on the gossip that she knows everybody who writes anything. And she's just yeah. way in over her head on that stuff. But she just thinks, well, why wouldn't somebody want to you know take my advice i lived in the city as though like the life that she has had has been superior i think she just sees herself as superior to everyone else in the town like the life i had in the city was so much better there's so much grander and greater things out there than what you guys live like in this tiny little town you know so i think if we're going to see her develop as a character there's going to need to be a moment where somebody's like 
Look, Rosemary, it's not all about you right now. Maybe you should think about other people, okay? And yeah. especially going forward in a, whatever kind of relationship she's going to have with Lee, Lee clearly is willing to to put himself out for her in a, in a multitude of ways, right? Um, but, you know, is there going to be a point where Lee says, you know what, I'm doing a lot of giving in this relationship and not a lot of taking, and maybe we need to... We need to ad adjust that dynamic to make it healthier and be an actual relationship that would be like an effective long-term relationship, which which Rosemary mm -hmm. has failed to have up to this point because of this very thing. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to talk about. Uh, speaking of city folk, let's talk about what was going on with Elizabeth and Charles and Jack. And also Elizabeth doing farm chores. I just, I want to start with the Elizabeth and Charles thing. First of all, I feel like Jack handled it pretty well. Like, this guy's chasing his girlfriend all the way out to the country. And come on, people. He's, Charles is here on business. Technically, yes. But we all know that they would not have business here if Elizabeth was not here. That's a pretense. I think Elizabeth's initial reaction of, you came here for me, is probably actually the more accurate representation. And the business was just, and it is an excuse to have her there for both Charles and for Elizabeth's family. Um, but on, on, there's that. And then there's, if she, the conclusion that she immediately jumps to is, you're here to see me. You care about me, right? That she, she is totally... 100% aware that Charles is interested in her in more than a friendship and she continues to say oh it's so great to see you can't wait to see you again kisses him on the cheek in front of God and everybody as he's getting into the stage <laughs> it's like she she clearly knows what's going on and if she was if she was a little bit I don't, she's flattered by the attention and she's not putting a stop to it yeah, she's flattered by it. And, and honestly, I think a lot of things in this episode point back to Elizabeth having a problem with pride. You know, with the whole Charles things, it's it's the pride of, uh, oh, you know, and the, and the flattery and the vanity of, he, he came to chase after me. And, oh, I'm so sorry, Charles. You just can't have me. I'm just interested in someone else. I'm so just so sought after. Yeah, it's Jack being interested in her and build, he built a school just for you and 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 it's Charles, you know, he came here just for you. And, you know, it's all of that. I'm having flashbacks to that Billy guy. Yeah. From season one. Mm. We're having a cake situation part two. Ooh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, that's a pride thing. But I also think that the, the homestead plot line oh, is a pride thing, yes. too. When she's in the grocery store and this man asks if someone can, you know, look after his kids and Florence, you know, can't do it. That's ultimately who he asked. And Elizabeth's like, well, I can do it. And he's kind of like, are you sure? I mean, it's kind of hard work. And she's like, ah, bah, bah. she throws a little hissy fit and says, yes, I can do it. And no, I don't need Jack to come check on me and whatever. She 100% needed Jack to come check on her. She couldn't work the pump. She couldn't do any of the basic chores. She couldn't get up at the right time. She really didn't contribute much to the kids at all. I feel mm. like the kids would have been better just doing the chores by themselves. Like, I don't really know what she contributed there. And it was all under this, like, I, I'm a strong woman. And even though I'm from the city, I can still do farm chores. And it's like, no, you can't. And you need to just be able to admit when you can't do it instead mm -hmm. of making a joke about your pride. Yeah, like you are, 
Elizabeth is not Superwoman here, and she totally does this. You know, she and Jack talk about it towards the end of the episode of, you know, I probably did that for the wrong reasons. It's like, yeah, you think? You clearly, you know, and Jack is sort of says, you know, sometimes people say we can't do stuff, and we just have to do it just to prove that they're, prove them wrong. It's like, she really couldn't do stuff, though. She got there and could not she do She didn't the prove them wrong. That she needed to do. I mean- uh, we've we see a little bit of evidence that perhaps her cooking skills have improved but seriously who wears light pastel skirts to a homestead like did you think about that at all does she even own a darker colored skirt like i don't feel bad for you that's just stupid that's called stupid but the whole i mean that moment where she's like can't get the the pump the well pump going <clears throat> she says a line about how this is a new low and i'm like girl it really is. It's just getting, and it's, ju- it's just getting lower. Like, and uh, am I the only one who was a little bit uncomfortable with the fact, I mean, it's great that Jack came to check on them and all that. First of all, he was wearing hipster jeans, which were not period. He just got back from American Eagle, picked from, up a from pair. Levi. Straight, straight leg by Levi. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and then he, it's like he and Elizabeth are playing at house on somebody else's homestead with somebody else's kids. Like, I know we're supposed to think that's romantic, but he's like, they're like flirting over breakfast. Like, I just think this is not really they appropriate. They were saying things in front of the kid that, kid. yeah. Yeah. So Jack's being all flirty and stuff. So, I mean, he, he goes out and sleeps on the barn floor. Like, then, and so she's giving everybody breakfast and she's like oh did you sleep okay oh yeah i was kind of something out in the barn she's like oh i'm sorry he's like well was there another choice it's like excuse you me you said that in front excuse of patrick excuse me <laughs> do you want to you want to say that again to like this upstanding young woman of character and good reputation that you're you know that you're trying to respectfully seek after in front of these two kids you want to think about i'm that really not sure why they threw that line that in again it was it was it that was a one of their um more significant implications i mean they've been flirty but that was just ridiculous i mean i think people flirting at that level it's like what are you doing can you just get married can you can you please just Just get get married married already and be together because we we want that for you you're already smooching and saying that you're the one for me you're the mm-hmm. one and all stuff like can you just please get married because honestly people that were this age in that time period probably gonna be married you know it's like if you find the person it, people weren't dating for five years like they do now i mean clearly they're they're setting us up for to continue this conflict of well Charles explained to Elizabeth, you know how dangerous it is. He's da- dating a Mountie. He, his work is so dangerous. First of all, Charles, this is a none of your business. This is none of his business. Charles okay? doesn't know anything. Friend. Come on. Yeah, Charles, this is the first time you've been out of the city, Charles, ever. You don't get to he didn't tell even me know about, about fried chicken until two weeks life. ago. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. And then... Talk to me when you made your own fried chicken, Charles. Talk to me then. And then... Then what? Um... Oh, Elizabeth and Jack are on a walk and they run into Bill and then Bill, you know, apologizes for being such a jerk, which he, Jack, Ugh. I like that Jack didn't, was, didn't, um, like, oh, well, I forgive you. It's okay. You're sort of like, yeah, it was my job. You know, I thought that was nice. Jack didn't sink to Bill's level because Bill is clearly sinking, but she, she sort of says, 
Jack, what what happened? Like you were endangered. Can you tell me about it? It's like <laughs> there there are some things I'm not going to tell you. Like they're clearly setting this up. This is going to be a theme going forward. Can she trust Jack with her heart when he is still a Mountie? Yeah, and that whole scene. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, she puts on a little pouting session when he won't tell her about the dangers of his job. And it's like, Ugh. first of all, it involved a, a, an undercover operation that mm-hmm. she can't know about. She can't know Bill was undercover. Like, she can't know any of that. It's Mountie business. And, and second of all, you don't get to just throw a little fit because he won't tell you absolutely every little thing. And he kind of is like, and ho- I, like, I think he kind of made a face at her and held his hand out. And she kind of kept the pout on her face for a while until it finally it softened to a smile and she took okay. his hand and they walked on. And it's like, ugh, I just, yeah. I feel like I need to apologize for the amount of, like, sighs, groans, and vomiting noises I'm making <laughs> during our recording. Because, honestly, <laughs> these were not good episodes. I thought season two started bad, but we went from bad to worse. I just, is there is there no practical woman in this town Mm -hmm. rosemary is just so and then elizabeth is so (laughs) and then and then abigail has just been involved with this slick dude and you're like ugh. so (laughs) abigail you're like okay you're a practical woman you kicked bill to the curb but we've got some hope for you claire is a nice you know attractive young lady maybe she's got some good sense but man when you're when two of your primary female characters are just abhorrent to like a practical female audience is it just us does everybody else love how she's all pouty and wearing pastels even though she needs to go muck out stalls like anyone here think that's practical I feel like anyone happy about how how prideful both of these characters like this is ridiculous. Could you make somebody who's just like a teensy bit more likable? Yeah, that's that's kind of the problem is like right now it feels like the guys are really likable. I feel like Jack and Lee are both really likable. And Lee has this moment where, you know, Gowan's kind of, you know, giving him a hard time about his business opening up. And Lee gives this great speech about how I'm going to do more for this town than you ever did and than you ever thought of. And he's dreaming about a railway and expansion and he's putting up with Rosemary being ridiculous. And like Jack too, he's taking, you know, the issues with Bill, he's taking it on the chin and he's really, you know, not jumping to conclusions about Charles too badly. And he's like, I feel like he's, He's checking up on her and he's seeing how she's being prideful and he's being really understanding and like, I'm still going to check on you and I'm going to look, you know, like these two guys are, are being really good characters. And then the women on the other side are just like, at this point, not feeling super worthy of them. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It, I mean, I know everybody, you know, has their bad moments. Hopefully we'll see some good moments for them mm-hmm. um, coming up here. But this episode, I just felt like there was a disparity in that regard. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like they try to they try to sell Elizabeth as a character primarily on this care for the children. It's about the children, the disenfranchised children of this valley, and she's the only <laughs> teacher they have. You know, that's what they try to make <laughs> it about. So and it's like it's for the when, children. But when she talks, <laughs> it's for the children. But when she talks about her experience teaching on the frontier to her family or to Charles when she was back in Hamilton, she doesn't, she doesn't lead with, 
I'm helping the children, she leads with this is about self-discovery mm. and this is about me, you know, proving that yeah. I can and all that. So they, the linchpin of her likability is this thing that she's super caring with the children, but we we didn't see a lot of that in these episodes. She, Patrick was having some nightmares, the little boy on the homestead, and she she kind of made said some really sappy story about monsters, and he's like, thanks, I think I can sleep now. And that, I guess that's nice. But it's like, that is not even her leading motivation when she talks about it, and it's not enough to make her a likable character that you look at her and go, wow, she really cares about those kids. She really has compassion. And we're not even seeing stories about the kids Mm -hmm. in the Valley like we were in the first season where it's like, here's a little kid with a really serious problem, and she's going to be there for them in a way that other people are not. We're not even seeing that. Yeah, I think you touched on one of the biggest problems up till this point is that the touching thing about her in season one and, and really the touching thing about the show was that they had these complex issues with children. They had a little girl who wouldn't mm-hmm. speak. They had a boy with dyslexia. And she was really, like, doing everything she possibly could to solve these children's problems and make their lives better. And we, at this point, because the show decided to go in a different direction, and, you know, I don't know if they were constructing the church building you know, while they were working on set or something and that wasn't ready for them to film. But for whatever reason, they decided to go this direction of like, we're going to go back to the city. We're going to see some of her background. And I feel like the background is the part of her that hasn't been the most likable. And so, you know, at the end of these episodes, we have her um, getting a cowbell from Jack to be able to ring for classes starting. And school is finally going to start in this church that he miraculously built in a couple of weeks. And I don't know how he did it. But, um, you know, maybe now we'll get a little bit more of the kids moving forward. Because school is about to start back up. We should kind of get some of those plots again. So I'm hopeful about that. Yeah, I do feel like the the attractive elements uh, that Elizabeth had as a character at the beginning were sort of these... um, you know, there's maybe it was an element of like, wow, I'm like really out of my depth here, but there are people around me who can like uplift me and help me get used to this life and and like being humble to accept those things and also how much she goes out of her way for children, right? And I mean, maybe they just ran out of really complicated children in town that she could help. But uh, the... <laughs> The, you're right that the the part that's been least attractive is all of this background stuff that we've seen, the way that she is in Hamilton, and then you kind of, you find yourself hoping, okay, well, she's going to go back to Hope Valley, and then maybe things will feel, uh, feel a little better again, but she takes all that all of that Hamilton history stuff with her back to Hope Valley. Now Charles is chasing her there. All of that drama is really like following her there. And it it has made her less attractive now than she was at the beginning of the series. But I do think there are a lot of positive elements. Uh, Like the Lee and Jack relationship, I think is really interesting to watch. Um, Lee, it's like Jack can be bolstered by Lee's presence because Lee really wants something, uh, Lee really wants to help the town. And I think, I think that's a really positive dynamic. It leaves me wondering if the producers of this show felt like they didn't need to sell the female characters as much because they're just going to slap some glitz and glamour on there. And, um, and they needed to work harder to sell 
the male characters and make them interesting because their audience is predominantly female and would just and would relate to the female characters better. I think they it, it seems like they really took a shift from first first season to second season where the first season it was about these heartwarming stories of these families and these children and there is some romance on the side. Well, the romance quickly amped up towards the end of the season to where they're saying they've been flirting and all of this and it's like, oh, you're the one and they kiss and they've ramped up to all of this romance and maybe now they're stuck there going, okay, as the creators of the show, where do we go with this now? And maybe also realizing that people really loved the romance and latched on to that. And so it feel it feels like this was some sort of a an attempt to we want to keep the romance and the drama of the relationships amped up and that completely took took the driver's seat for the start of this season so we have elizabeth being this like little princess back at her parents house and like she's supposed to be some great great prize and it's all about the romance and the competition and the drama between between the characters in those romantic relationships lee and rosemary seem like they're starting on a romantic relationship jack and elizabeth um bill and abigail or bill and his wife abigail and frank and he- maybe Maybe. Maybe you know Clara, Clara with this Luke nice guy with ice cream social. You know it's like they've really like moved romance into the front seat, and maybe that is why this feels like such a daytime soap opera mm. right now because it's not about the sincere stories of how does a man feel who's provided for his family his whole life who loses a leg and now can no longer do that. It's about. But is Julie, are Julie and Tom going to see each other in secret? Are they going to, like, steal our dad's car? You know, it's just, like, this really (laughs) dumb stuff where the character is like, you're not not even bothering to make this person likable enough for me to root for them to have the romantic ending you want to give them. And I feel like they tried to bring that in a little bit, maybe with, like, Clara and Abigail and Clara feeling so beholden and, like, you know, they go a little bit into... Her, is she going to go out with this other guy or does she feel guilty because of betraying the memory of her husband and will Abigail feel bad? It's like they tried to interject that more serious note, but they didn't do it in a very good way. They didn't handle it very well at all. And it's it just did not feel genuine. It felt like they, they were trying to force a storyline in there for Abigail, maybe. And I really thought the, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the whole two episodes was Pastor Frank Hogan's, like, one scene. Just because he was just chill. He was, like, I just think he's a cool character and could be really interesting. He's he's pretty, like, down-to-earth and calm about things and how he handles it. But he also pulls off black leather trench coats. So I just think that could be a really interesting dynamic for the town. Two ticks in the plus column for Frank. But while we're on the subject of Abigail, I did think her comment about um, telling people it's okay to break things if they're family. Like, I should have let my little boy break as many windows as he wanted to. It's like, no, no, I think we need to still tell people, like, try not to break things. Like, if you break things, I mean, we're family and we'll figure it out. We'll we'll pay for it together and everything. But but try not to break things. Yeah, there was a little bit of an element of... You're really bad at this, but hey, look, she's really good at making dresses. We should open up, you know, we should open up another female empowered business in town. You know? Not everyone can carry a plate to a table, Ansley. It is really hard. 
or pour coffee into a cup. But, you know, I will say caveat, though, on the Frank Hogan scene, the line about you don't need to call me pastor, Frank, because I'm just like you and people who call me pastor put a barrier between me and my flock. Like you had me until that one. That one was a little bit like, okay, maybe not. All right, so let's talk um, about Clara and her going out to the ice cream social and all of that. I actually thought it was kind of nice and and like sensitive of the character and perceptive that her issue would not just be my husband Peter is dead and I have grieved that because it's been a bit since since that happened and honestly they it seemed like they got married maybe kind of quickly they were only married for like a couple days before he died you know did not you know spend that much time married so maybe for her it might even feel like they were hardly married at all um I thought it was it was interesting that her reluctance was more around the fact that she was trying to be very aware that Abigail had put herself out there for Clara Mm -hmm. and Clara was just a stranger to her has given her a job a place to stay is paying her is seeking her welfare and she didn't want to do anything that was going to upset this person who is taking such great care of her thought that was like a really that makes Clara super likable. She was trying to be really sensitive to her situation and not hurt someone's feelings. Something which some of these other women mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. use, you know. So, and then it was really nice that Abigail, you know, Abigail was honest enough to say, yeah, it does hurt me a little bit to know that this was Peter's wife and that Peter's not here and that I could lose her if she goes and marries somebody else and she's not going to be like my daughter anymore. You know, that's like, those are real feelings that, that someone would have. So Abigail could admit those feelings but could also tell Clara, look, I want you to be happy and you are too young to just feel like your life has been spent and like you are just going to sit around this cafe with me for the rest of your life. So you need to go find somebody that makes you happy and still have a life to live. Plus we saw Elizabeth's only maybe actual viable skill that she could offer, lending people makeup and dresses and jewelry because she's a city girl, you know? And it's like, oh, I just, she she definitely could borrow a dress of mine because we're clearly the same size. Like, I'll lend you a dress. I'll lend you a dress. Lend you a dress. Like, this is not Oprah. You Everybody are not, gets a dress. Yeah, you are not the same size as every single woman here, which, you know, I guess if Clara can sell, maybe she, like, oh, tailored it down or something. But really? Really? Yep. All right. So, any final thoughts on these two dumpster fires of episodes? I really hope there's something a little more compelling in the next set of episodes. This was, I mean, there were some individual moments that were good moments, but on the whole, I thought these were not particularly entertaining. I feel like they set us up for some more of Julie and Tom at some point, the way that Mm. they kind of left things with them. And so I guess I don't hold up too much hope for that part of the situation but you know we'll get through it (laughs) i mean this was a different kind of ick than the first few episodes we watched where before it was just like it was it was so much 
soapy drama that was just completely ridiculous and over the top. And now it's just like a different kind of mm. di- disjointed plot drama that's just not even so- that soapy, but also not that interesting either. Um, just kind of, kind of meh, kind of bland. Um, but I think we've got some good characters here. We've got some good bones for some characters if we can kind of get back to the things mm-hmm. that make them likable. So hopefully. You know, we'll see some more enjoyable plot lines going forward in season two. We'll have to wait and see what season two brings. Also, Mrs. Ramsey is a snitch, and I'm really interested to see if that works out for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let's see it. Let's see what Karma has to say about Dottie Ramsey <laughs> in the next episode. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us and uh, tune in next time to hear more about When Calls to Heart Season 2.